Thank you for being here this morning. We are continuing our studies uh, from the prophet Jeremiah this morning as <clears throat> we're looking at several messages in the book of Jeremiah that are so appropriate for God's people today. This morning, we're going to be talking about overcoming discouragement. And uh, it is a lesson, I, I believe, that has uh, tremendous uh, tremendous application for, for many of us. And in Jeremiah chapter 20, as we read in our scripture reading this morning, Jeremiah is, as it were, he is crying out to God because he's just at a point of frustration and despair. He, he has been preaching and preaching and preaching. Imagine being separated by God to be a preacher to his people a ministry that's going to last for some 45 years, give or take a few. And, and from the very beginning, God said, you are going to be my spokesperson. You are going to preach the word. You are going to deliver the message. Of course, nobody's going to pay attention, but you just go ahead and preach. Can you imagine... 45 years of pre And it's not just that they ignored him. They ignored the application of the message. But it's not just that they ignored Jeremiah. They hated him. And before it was over, they were trying to kill him. They were stoning him. They were throwing him in a pit. They, they were done with him. They had no use for him whatsoever. And we're not talking about the Assyrians. We're not talking about the Chaldeans. We're talking about God's people. His own flesh and blood. His fellow Jews. They were the ones who were rejecting him. Year after year after year. I hear, uh, I hear preachers sometimes talking about burnout in the pulpit. When you've preached and preached and preached and it just seems like uh, it's just noise anymore. In the days of Jeremiah, Jeremiah said, you know, everybody's still doing church. They, they hadn't stopped. But man, everybody was doing church their own way and they had assimilated to themselves all kinds of pagan practices with their worship of Jehovah. It was just one big cafeteria of choices as to how you wanted to worship, when you wanted to worship, where you want to worship. And, and Jeremiah was still preaching the word of the Lord. And Jeremiah said to God, I tell you, Lord, I, I reach a point sometimes when I just say to myself, I am done with this. They're coming, but it's just perfunctory. Nobody's heart is in this. Nobody's paying attention. And nobody's life is changing. I see no point in this. No point at all. And God said, you just preach the word. And Jeremiah said, you know, all I ever preach, all you have given me to preach... It's a hard message. It's a message of doom, gloom, and destruction. They don't like it. And God said, that was never the criterion to begin with. Them liking it. It's my message. You are my spokesman. 
Jeremiah said, Lord, I, I have reached the point. They hate it. I hate it. Doom, gloom, and destruction. Doom, gloom, and destruction. It, it's just useless. It is absolutely useless. I, I tell myself, I am not doing this anymore. And then he says, but every time I tell myself that, I just reach a point where I'm done. Every time I tell myself that, your, your word, it, it wells up inside of me. It burns like my bones. I cannot but preach it. I have to preach it. Wow. Let me ask you this morning. Do, do you ever, you ever get tired of trying? I, I mean, it's not that you didn't have good intentions when you started. It's not that your heart was not inclined toward God in the beginning. It's just that you've tried and you've tried and you've tried. And it seems futile. It seems useless. Uh, for a preacher, it, it seems nothing's changing. Nobody's paying attention. We're not going anywhere. It's just the same old thing. Over. It's all perfunctory. It's all show. It's all a facade. Sometimes we have this in a very personal way in our lives. Sometimes for the preachers, Jeremiah, if you turn back in Jeremiah to chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. He said, Oh, that my head were waters, my eyes a fountain of tears, that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. Jeremiah said, I wish I had it in me to mourn sufficiently for what's going on. I cannot physically mourn enough in view of the spiritual tragedy that is taking place here. And in verse 2, he said this, Oh, that I had in the wilderness a lodging place of wayfaring men, that I might leave my people and go from them. They are all adulterous, an assembly of treacherous men. Jeremiah said, this is absolutely killing me. I have cried until I have nothing left to cry. I, my tears have been flowing for so long that there are no more tears left in me. I just want to go find a place I can run off to and get away from these people. It's not that he hadn't tried. And so many times in our own personal life, it's not that we haven't tried. It's just that we don't see the point of it. You remember in Numbers chapter 11, the frustration that Moses had with the Israelites in the wilderness, as, as he's bringing them out of Egypt, every step of the way, in fact, before he could ever get them out of Egypt. When he first showed up back in Egypt and he told them, God has heard your cries, God has sent me to go to the Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go. And the people cheered him and they praised him and they treated him like a hero until he went to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said no. And he increased their burdens, and he took away some of their perks. And boy, did the mood change. 
It changed on a dime. It changed quickly and it changed significantly. And now they are cursing Moses. They hate him. They are begging him to go away. Their lives are even worse. That's the way it started. Then when, when the deliverance finally comes after that Passover night and, and, and the firstborn in the house of the Egyptians, the firstborn has died. And, and now Pharaoh is saying to the people, get out, just Get out. Go. And Moses said, well, before we go, we did have a few things we'd like to take with us, like gold and silver and things like that. Here, take it. Take it all. Just go. And they went out, and they went out wealthy people. Well, they had, had not even made it to the Red Sea. It was in front of them. Pharaoh's army now was coming behind them, and their hearts were already turned. Their, their confidence in God already evaporated, and they're saying, are you kidding? You brought us up here, out here to be, die out here by the sea in the desert, by the army of Pharaoh, and God parted the sea, and they went across on dry land. And you would think, after all of those plagues and that deliverance through the Red Sea, you would think that finally... They understood and they would trust God. But no. Every step along the way, whining, complaining, griping about their circumstances. They were hungry. They were thirsty. How far is it? How much longer? And it was better back in Egypt. I wish we had never left. And Moses and God, as it were, took turns saying, just get out of the way and let me kill them. And Moses would say to God, no, 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 don't, don't do that. You, you, remember, you promised Abraham, you promised, you, you, you be true to your word. Don't kill them. Moses would plead for the people. And then on other occasions, like in Numbers 11, now it's Moses who's saying to God, you can have those people. I'm done. I have had it with them. That's the way it was in the days of Elijah. He's trying to help Israel come to terms with the reality of the one true God. And among their political and spiritual leadership, they have been corrupted with idolatry and paganism. And Elijah is proclaiming the one true God. And this great contest is going to take place uh, on Mount Carmel with the 400 prophets of Baal and the 450 prophets of the Asherah. And the great contest is going to take place. And Moses said, now, you call down fire from your God and let him light the altar and receive the sacrifice. And they cried all day to their God. Of course, there was no God. And there was no fire that came. And Moses said, well, maybe he's asleep. Just cry a little louder. And so they're acting like fools. They're crying louder and louder. Wake him up. Maybe he's on vacation. Maybe he's on break. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe he'll be back soon. And they begin cutting themselves and becoming desperate, trying to attract the attention of these deities that did not exist. And nothing happened. And then Elijah said, I'll tell you what. Just soak this altar with water and fill up the trench around it. 
uh, with the water and, and place a sacrifice there. And I'll call on the name of God. And God heard him. And fire came down and consumed not just the animal sacrifice. Do you remember this? The fire consumed the entire altar. And all of the water that was in the trenches around was dried up. It was an overwhelming statement from God that He is the Lord. And what did Elijah get for that? You would think, okay, finally, Ahab and Jezebel will get the message. Yeah, they got the message all right. They put out the death sentence on Elijah. And the bounty hunters were looking for him to carry his carcass back to the palace. Elijah goes out into the wilderness and he finds a juniper tree and he sits down under the tree and he sounded a little bit like Jeremiah. He said, Lord, I've, I've tried to do everything you've told me. I've delivered the word. I've been faithful to you. I've been a good prophet. I have respected the law. I have preached and preached and preached to these people. And it all came down to this one huge contest between you, the true God, and these pagan, pagan fantasies. And you demonstrated your power and your ability and your sovereignty. And their hearts are hardened and their necks are stiff, and their ears are uncircumcised so that they will not hear. And I have done everything you asked me to do. Just let me die. Take my life right now. Let me die. I am done with this. I'm saying to you folks, spiritual discouragement is real. And from time to time, if, if we are struggling with that, we, we need to remember that we are not the first nor the only ones to reach a point in our spiritual life. As we're making our journey through this world, we're not the first ones to become discouraged with the reality of things around us because we don't see any visible results from what we are trying to do. Sometimes it's in our personal life that we're struggling with giants and with pagan deities, idols of our hearts, passions and lusts. And sometimes we have tried and we've tried and we've tried and we reach a point where we just want to quit. That's where Jeremiah was. And he was saying to God, I cannot take this anymore. The people are sick of it. I am sick of it. Doom, gloom, and destruction. Nobody's changing. Just let me die. I'll tell you what happens along the way. We get tempted just to settle into the way it is. It's like, how many times are you going to bang your head on that wall before you figure out, that's just the way it is, buddy? The obvious truth, Jeremiah said, the obvious truth is, these people are not going to hear the word because they don't want to hear the word. This is just the way it is. Get over it, they would say. 
one of the worst nightmares for God is that moment in time when His people arrive at a point where they are tired, they are discouraged, they are ready to quit, and they just give in and concede to the way that it is. No way. When my Lord came to this earth and clothed himself with flesh and blood, and he walked into the temple of the Most High God, and he saw the money changers there with the tables of commerce and the animals that were there, and he saw that this, this place of worship to the Almighty God had been turned into something carnal and, and, and ugly. It was all about money. It was all about commerce. It was all about cheating people. It was all about taking advantage. And he goes in and he is rebuking the people and he's turning over the tables and he is driving them out of the house of the Lord. And people said, that man's crazy. He wasn't crazy. But he was passionate. The easier thing to do is just understand. Now, when you go to Jerusalem, they've turned the worship of the Almighty God into a circus, but that's just the way it is. Just, just try to get along. Jesus didn't ask anyone to try to get along in that sense. He never asked anyone to concede to the status quo. Herod, the king, he had, <laughs> Herod had been married to a woman that he had no right to be married to. Everybody knew that. <laughs> All right, but man, that's just the way it is. I mean, first century, people are divorcing, remarrying Roman Empire, paganism, adultery, fornication, licentiousness carnality. It's just part of life. I mean, that's just the way it is. I'll tell you what John the Baptist said. He said what God said. It is not lawful for you to be married to her. Cost him his life. Everybody else knew that. John the Baptist said it. He died for it. Well, Paul is writing to Timothy, who's in Ephesus, Toward the end of the first century, he <laughs> said, Timothy, I know where you are, buddy, and I know what you're dealing with there. I know those guys. I've already talked to them. You remember Acts 20, when the elders came to Miletus? And Paul charged them to take heed to themselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Spirit had made them bishops or overseers to feed, pastor the church of the Lord, which he purchased with his own blood. And Paul said to those elders, I know that after I leave you, after I depart, Grievous wolves are going to enter in among you, the leadership, the episcopate. Grievous wolves are going to enter in among you, not sparing the flock. From among your own selves, that's where the trouble's coming. Men are going to arise speaking perverse things, and, and, going, and they will draw away disciples after them. They're going to split this church. They're going to tear it up. 
In the meantime, after Paul had said to the elders, I know what's going to happen, he sends Timothy to be their preacher. You thought Titus had it bad in Crete. To be Timothy. Paul writes to him and he says, you know what? You just need to preach the word. And, and Timothy undoubtedly had said to Paul, look, nobody's paying attention to me. I'm young. They don't respect me. Uh, they're not paying attention. They are excited because uh, there, there are people here, leaders here, elders here, those who are claiming to be apostles. They, they're standing up. Man, they're saying wonderful things to the people. They're stroking the people. And the people just love it. They love them. Everybody hates me here. Paul said, Timothy, I'll tell you what to do. Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. He said, I know the time is going to come having itching ears. They're going to bring to themselves teachers after their own lust. People who will say what they want to hear. Paul said, here's what you need to do. Suffer hardship. Do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. Well, what is the work of the evangelist? It is the very thing that Jeremiah said to the Lord. Every time I say, I'm going to quit, I am resigning this prophetic office. I, I, thought, I, I, I thought it would be great. I thought everybody would love me and respect me because I was the man of God. I was speaking the word of the Lord. I, I thought people would pay attention to me and they're not. And, and I'm just, I tell myself, I am not preaching this anymore. But he said, here's what happens every time myself your word wells up inside of me it burns like fire within my bones I cannot help myself I have to preach it <laughs> in Acts chapter 4 you remember when Peter and John had been arrested they're, they're beaten they're threatened they're told you don't preach anymore in the name of Jesus and Peter said to them look if it's right to obey God or men, you can make your own decision about that as for us. We cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. There's no choice for us. We're preaching the word. I'll tell you what happens to us, folks. Along the way, when the going gets tough, a lot of times we shift our focus off of the Lord Himself. And we start looking at the problem. And we start looking at the people. And we start looking at the negatives. And we start focusing on the discouragement. And, and we start trying to add up numbers. How many people are on this side? And how many people are on this? And I'm saying to you, that doesn't work. It doesn't work. And it will not get you anywhere in your walk with the Lord. 
What the Lord was looking for from Jeremiah, what he's looking for from us, is this renewed commitment to stay true to our call. God told him in the beginning, look, I'm calling you to a work that's not really going to be applauded, appreciated, supported, and reinforced in the way that you would like, but you be faithful to me. Well, the people don't like it. That's not why you're preaching. Well, I, I'll tell you, the, the, the people, they, they hate me. <laughs> and Jesus said, hey, they hated me too. Well, the, the people, they, they are sick of hearing this. They're tired of this. And God says, and the people don't know what they need. I know what they need. Yes, but it seems useless. And God says, and you don't see what I see. I'll decide when it's useless. You preach the word. Don't quit. Stay with it. Try and try and try again. I'll tell you what we need to do in our lifetime. We need to stop dreaming about quitting. Stop fantasizing about what life would be like if I just throw in the towel and walk away and renounce Christ and just give in to the world around. I mean, it doesn't seem, it doesn't seem like this is going anywhere anyway. <laughs> the Lord says, what are you thinking? What are you sitting around daydreaming about? A life of carnality, a life of sin, a life of debauchery. What? Where, where's your mind? Get your focus back where it belongs. The focus is on the Lamb, the slain Lamb who's seated on the throne. He is surrounded by the saints who have given their lives in sacrifice for their faith to Him. And they are saying, how long, O Lord? And He is saying, I'm coming. Don't you worry. I'm coming. Stop dreaming about quitting. When we're down and discouraged and we feel like our, our efforts have been... We need to stop thinking that we have the option here of quitting. God's people do not have the option of quitting. We need to reject the status quo. It, there's a great temptation after trying and trying that finally we just give in and concede to the world as it is. God said, no, you don't ever concede to the world as it is. You concede to me, the world as it was meant to be, and you proclaim that until I come. And then we need to focus on the Lord and not the problem. I don't know about for you, for me, it's probably that number three that's the hardest. Because you and I can make a list that would cover more than one or two pages of all the reasons why it seems at times that all of our efforts in the kingdom are really useless. We can't see any results. We don't even understand why God asked us to do it. We don't understand why He's continuing to ask us to do it. We don't even understand why He put us in this situation. Sometimes 
when we are hurting and suffering in the midst of our sorrow and pain, sometimes all of our focus is on the problem. And God said, you're looking at the wrong thing, buddy. That's not where the answer is. We need to focus on the Lord. This morning, if you're here, not a Christian, we invite you to come to the only God who can save you from your sins and provide for you the fulfillment for which we were created in the beginning. And if you've never obeyed the gospel and put on Christ, what a wonderful day to do that. If you're a child of God here this morning, but things have been discouraging. You have tried and failed and tried and failed. And, and your temptation has been to just quit or to concede to the status quo of failure. Let me say to you this morning, we can't do that. We are the children of God. We've been called to a higher calling. We need to come back and place our focus on the Lord. Is that you this morning? Do you need to come home? And would you come while we stand and sing?